This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 403. For Holy Crap Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021, my name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I watch spring disappear, <laughs> and we talk about geeky stuff and, and you know, hang out and, and just kind of express the bewilderment of time and space. And the chuckle in the background that you're listening to is Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Howdy. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. And if people want to find Stephen... Uh, you can look at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. That includes Twitch, where you do a lot of streaming. We share uh, a uh, a server, a Minecraft server. We are one in the same on that server. We do do the same sort of things. Uh, I've been meaning to ask you because I mean I've been catching some streams sideways when I'm like lurking when I'm eating or doing something. Uh, how is the giant stair monument going? Because that is a huge undertaking. It's coming along really well. I've kind of. I'm not sure if you find this ever when you're streaming, though. Of course, I don't know if you do the same kind of large projects. I don't think you do, but... Have you I seen the town that I'm working on? <laughs> yes, but it's, I guess... <laughs> Good point. But I guess for comparison's sake, I'm doing a giant stair monument. So it is one massive right. single thing. One build, and I find yeah. On stream, I'm like, I've been talking about this single giant stair block for three months now. I'm yeah. running out of things to say. Where's your town? It's definitely a bigger project than I'm working on, but you can go, I'm going to work on a bakery today. I mean, if you do a bakery, like, and I'm going to work yeah. on, you I know, a blacksmith over here. And yeah. I wanted to have this style here, that style there, and we're going to do this. And it's, so yeah. it's, I do plan on putting a town at the bottom of the stair monument that will allow me to, you know, switch things up a little bit as I keep, kind of keep going along with the same theme of giant stair monument, but it'll be, allow me to keep things fresh in my mind. And, and hopefully means, you know, keep it fresh for others. Cool. Uh, well, and that's one of the things that you can do too, is like, if you start to get stagnant with the build, which I mean, happens for everybody working on big, long creative projects, just start the town, like start to plan out the town, give yourself mm -hmm. a breather, you know, like give yourself some, a time. And then you can, you may be even able to schedule like streams where it's just like, you know, Tuesdays are the stair, Thursdays are the town. I don't know. Like I, it's uh, true. I've had some, some definite, definite breaks where I've just like, okay, this needs to happen now for two reasons. One, I'm sick of looking at gray and and wood colors to make these buildings. <laughs> and two, I need to plan out this road or I need to plan out this river and know precisely where it is so that as I'm building up next to it, I'm not going to have to redo stuff later or regret putting a building where it should have been three blocks to the left or something like that. Um, and it gives right. me a nice break. And I do find with those kind of streams when you're less like clearing a big area or you're doing some task that doesn't require a lot of like creative thought and 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 the creative process, the iterative process, is a lot easier to chat with the chat room too. So you can kind of hang out with people a little bit more, which is nice. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the problem that I have with the town, I like it. I like, as you mentioned, the fact that I can spend two or three streams and work on a build, like a, like a carpenter workshop is the last thing I did. Um, but before that was, you know, a blacksmith and a bakery and a cooper where they build barrels and like that kind of stuff. 
Sometimes I can get those builds done in one stream. Sometimes it takes four. But as you said, I am bopping from one thing to the next. The thing that is mm -hmm. daunting is the fact that I've been at this since the area since November. And Jeez. the town, I want to say probably December. We'll say December 1st for the sake of an easy number. So six months, seven months. Uh, no, six months. And I'm not even halfway done. And so it's, it's the, it's the end finish line that feels so far away. But at the right. same time, when I'm, you know, someone new comes into the stream and you're walking through it to get from point A to point B, you know, getting something out of storage and taking it back over to the build. And people are like, oh my gosh, like what? how did you do this? And you're just like, well, mm -hmm. thanks. Like, I'm glad that it, it's making an impression, but also six months <laughs> of like weekends, yeah. you know, of, of having a hobby on weekends that I stream and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it's consistent. Like, I mean, I do, I basically stream three times a week, you know, without fail. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun when those kind of things come together. Although I can see it slowing down now, especially now that summer's here, like there's a lot, a lot more to do outside, um, not to wave it in anybody's faces, but it looks like some, uh, lockdown restrictions in our province are being lifted. So that means hiking right. and outdoor activities that are allowed, uh, with, you know, things like barbecues with like 10 people outside, um, in your immediate bubbles and stuff like that. So, and I'm not, mm, it's not nice. talking about parties. I'm talking about just being able to see, see family, you know, um, and, and that kind of stuff, which is cool. Um, speaking of barbecues, that's actually what's new with me in the grand scheme uh i it was a birthday gift my parents asked me what i wanted for my birthday this year which was back in april and i said a barbecue but i have not done the research yet because i was very busy so <laughs> i mean rather than rather than buying me a, a a cheap one like a little a little tabletop one how about you know if you want to contribute to something i'll research and i'll buy a nice one well as i started looking around I've been wanting to get into smoking for a really long time and it's hard with an apartment with a small balcony and you know, different, most smokers are pretty big and smoking as I, barbecue, you mean hmm? a smoking barbecue, you mean? Yeah. Like an offset smoking. smoker, like an, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Gotcha. Food smoking, smoking, <laughs> smoking dinner. Uh, let's, let's clarify Texas style barbecue. Yeah. 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 Although there man, I would, sometimes I would kill for a cigar, but this non-smoking building anyway, uh, I did a lot of research and found out that um, to kill two birds with one stone, I could switch to a charcoal kettle grill. Uh, and I picked up mm. a Weber Master Touch 22-inch charcoal kettle. Uh, it has been fantastic. I've done three cooks on it so far. I'm still learning, so things are not perfect. But I thought it was going to be a much bigger pain in the butt to cook on charcoal after years of cooking with propane on a, on right. a barbecue. And I'll... I'll correct myself for any purists out there. Technically, I was grilling the last 20 years, not barbecuing, but bygones, bygones. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of patience. You just have to light the charcoal and, and get it going and, and wait for it to heat up. But after that, it's basically just an oven. Like it's no different than doing roasts right. or anything in the oven, except for you've got an open flame. You can manage it with the vents. Uh, I've cooked two batches of chicken breasts and one set of pork steaks last night. Uh, nice. And the first two chicken stuff, I think it was like two weeks ago. So each time it's gotten better. I still tend to overcook stuff a little bit, but I think that's just because I don't quite know 
the temperatures of the grill and how much charcoal equals what temperature with the vents open and stuff. Uh, I'll, that'll just be time and, and getting to know like, you know, how heat affects that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's been fantastic because uh, it's so much, I wouldn't say so much trouble. It's more effort to turn on and uh, turn on to light and barbecue with the kettle than it is to just turn on a, a small gas grill. So I'm cooking four breasts at a time, three steaks at a time, and then I've got leftovers, which means I'm only cooking like a few times a week, really. Uh, and I honestly, I think the barbecue might be better the next day. Like it, the leftovers, dude, are incredible. <laughs> like you barbecue the leftovers? No, I just, they're already, but they're cooked. So like you right. open up the little Ziploc bag in the fridge oh, and, the, and the smoky aroma of a chicken breast comes out. You're like, oh yes. Nice. And I feel like it's better the next day. Cause it's not like it hasn't dried out. Like there's not, it's nothing like that. So I've had barbecue chicken nachos. I've had barbecue chicken pizza. I've had just barbecue chicken sandwiches. I've, I've had uh pork steak, pork sandwiches. I've had, uh, what else did I do with the chicken? I think the rest of the time, the chicken, I just kind of had it straight. Just like I just, I heated it up a little bit and just had it on a plate with, you know, potatoes or whatever. Um, but man, like it, it has really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And I don't know why I didn't clue into it sooner. There's probably a lot of listeners who are just like, yeah, of course we barbecue all the time. It's like, well, when you don't have a lot of time and you're, you know, living in an apartment, you don't really think about it. I actually had to call my super and double check that I could have a large charcoal grill, um, for insurance purposes. And he was just like, right. well, do you have apartment insurance? Like, well, yes, of course I do. So are you going to leave it unattended? Uh, no, <laughs> of course not. Well, then you're fine. I was like, okay, that's good. Uh, that's... and, and I'm on the third floor. So I'm not, I don't have to worry about smoking out my neighbors, you know, in terms of like too much coming onto their balcony or whatever. Um, and so far it's been good. Like it, it does take a little bit of extra time to get things going. So you just have to start thinking about dinner like an hour before you want to sit down mm. to eat rather than 30 minutes to 20 minutes. So it's a little bit of a mental change, but so far it's been great. Uh, I've done um, some bell peppers um, at the end of one of my cooks. Oh, and, yeah, nice. yeah, skewers and stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying uh, new things because I did not realize on these kettle grills that you can smoke on them. So you can pile the coals all to one side. You can put some wood on top of them and you do what's called um, indirect cooking. So you put the meat, away from the coals on the other side and the kettle just circulates the air uh, with the you know the smoke and the heat and the flame and everything and your meat cooks indirectly so not over the coals but on its own huh. on the side in the same sort of way that like a stone pizza oven works you know like you don't put the pizza over the fire you put it next to the fire and then the stone brick right. oven does all the the work for you um and so you can do briskets you can do ribs you can do pork bellies you can do meatballs wings there's all kinds of stuff that you can do so i'm i'm looking forward to it it's going to be an epic summer of barbecue yeah, sounds like meat <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be great uh so yeah that's that's and really that's what i've been doing i've been in this black hole of youtube barbecue uh and uh trying to figure <laughs> out what's what everybody's got a different opinion of course so it's kind of hard to get to the bottom of it um i will however uh pass on a recommendation because i really feel that this man needs more uh, attention than he currently has cooking with rye R Y. I'll have the link in the show notes this week. Uh, I have consumed a lot of his channel. He's, I, I, I don't know. He looks like he's, we'll say over 50. Uh, 
but he's just such a well-spoken, chill dude. I believe he's in Southern California and he does everything on either a Weber kettle or a offset smoker, or, I mean, he's got different videos for different things. He does a lot on the kettle, which is great because that's what a lot of people that are new to this have. And he's just, it's so laid back. And what I like so much about the content is that a lot of it will be, if he's using a spice from someplace like Costco, he'll tell you what he's using. And if not, he'll tell you the ingredients of the rub that he's put together himself. Uh, case in point, I used one of his rub recipes on my pork steak the other night. I skipped out on some of the cayenne pepper because I don't like that much heat in my, in my stuff. He also had like a Cajun spice in there that I didn't have. Um, but it was fantastic. So, uh, I just, I really can't recommend him enough. It's cooking with rye and the mentality that he has on the channel is very often close enough <laughs> where it's just like, man, I'm aiming for a temperature inside the grill of about, you know, 325, but anywhere between 325 and 350 is close enough for me. I'm just like, sweet. I love nice. that he communicates that like, you're not going to be able to dial this thing in necessarily like an oven you know, precisely, it can maintain a temperature, but trying to get it to hit like a very specific one. I mean, it's fire, you know, like it's not an electric Unrealistic, stove yeah. anyway. And he does the, the, that with his meats as well. He's like, this could take 20 minutes. This could take 35. Like it, it takes as long as it takes. And, and I like that, that communication. So it feels less daunting as a new person to the, to cooking with a kettle grill because you're there watching him be him thinking like, well, I thought this was going to take 45 minutes, but we're almost done. You're like, okay, sweet. So if that <laughs> happens to me, it's not my fault. Like that's just, yeah. it's just sometimes how things go. Uh, so that was, that was really cool. Um, do you have a gas grill or do you guys have a charcoal grill? Um, we don't have either. We used to have a propane barbecue um, years ago, but we went um, vegetarian at one point. It was just sitting out back and was, it started discolor. We thought, well, we'll just you know give this away. So I gave it to my one of my brothers so they could have it. And you know we've you know no longer strict vegetarian, so there'd be some stuff that would be nice to put on a barbecue, but mm. just it would be used so infrequently. It just yeah, I, I love the idea, and I just finished dinner before we did this. But you're making me hungry again oh, with the way dude. you're talking about. It. <laughs> I have been hungry so. for barbecue at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., 10 p.m., <laughs> 7:30 p.m. I've been hungry for barbecue having just finished barbecue because I've been watching you know YouTube videos about it. Just That's it's hilarious. It's it's kind of cool, but also infuriating at the same time. It's like I have the thing, I have the thing, I can do this, but it's like I don't have the time. To do all of these things, nor do I have like, I mean, I have to be careful. Like I don't want to cook so much food that it starts to go bad before I can eat it all. Right. So looks up uh, from breakfast table. Can I grill cereal? I could probably grill cereal. I don't know about <laughs> cereal, but you can absolutely smoke your own bacon, which I'm going to try as soon as the markets open up. Now that, uh, now that uh, the restrictions are being lifted a little bit, I'm hoping for things like the farmer's market on Saturdays to come mm. back because uh, one thing that I thought would be a, a nice treat would be not hamstringing myself by buying like just cheap ribs or cheap bacon or something from the grocery store, but actually like, well, one supporting someone local, you know, but also maybe talking to them at, when you have a chance and saying like, look, like I'm new to this kind of stuff. Like, what would you recommend? And they say, look, if you're new to this, you don't want to, you know, necessarily buy something that's going to cost you 50 or $60 that you might make a mistake on and, and ruin, but here's a good, you know, starter you know, sort of cut of meat to try on the barbecue. 
because uh, I'd mm. love to do like pork, pulled pork or something like it just it's the possibilities have just been spinning through my mind for the last little while. I think the next thing I do is going to be meatballs. Barbecue with some meatballs. Be good. Have you uh, done any straight up hamburgers yet? Not yet. The closest I've done uh, has been the um, the pork steak. So that was a indirect cook but it was super fast because the kettle was like mm. five or six hundred degrees so it was just basically Jeez. um yeah well because you wanted to cook i mean they were thin steaks i wanted to cook them fast and so you put them on there and like 15 or 20 minutes they're almost up to temperature and then you reverse sear them so you put them over the coals at the very end just you know a couple minutes each side just to kind of get the grill marks and kind of toast them up a little bit make them crispy on the outside and it was good you turned out well um but uh i think the time that i had planned to do hamburgers would have been saturday night and it was pissing down rain and oh, so right. uh i ended up putting i ended up doing the hamburgers in the cast iron pan which came out just fine it's just it's not barbecue it's just a different way different way of doing it that's the other thing too of course i've got a, a decent set of cast iron pans all of which i can use on the barbecue because they're you know they're cast iron they're virtually indestructible so um i've seen like lasagnas and and people have done like different casseroles and stuff bread depending on like what your skill level is. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but again, like I said, it's just like a big, a big oven. So uh, if anybody has any recommendations that they want to send me at the cafe at gmail.com for chill, uh, we'll say, you know, well-spoken YouTubers that are into smoking specifically on a kettle grill. Um, and especially if there's different styles, you know, like whether it's, you know, Kentucky or Texas or, you know, other places, um, Canadian stuff would be good because a lot of times you'll see people recommending charcoal or wood or different things that they want to use, but then it's not available in Canada. So that could be a little bit tricky too. But if you have any recommendations by, by all means, let me know. What have you been up to the last uh, little while, man? It's been, it's been a minute. Like we chat all the time via text, but we haven't actually sat down to catch up in a bit. I know it's like, <laughs> this is our monthly chat basically as well. Um, not too much. I mean, to be honest, I've been, I guess, more than anything lately, really trying to push creative projects forward, but just, I'm not sure, just not feeling it. I don't know if you ever get in those, those ruts where it feels like you, you, you want to want to work on something, but you don't actually, like, you just can't make yourself want to do it for some reason. Oh, 100%. Sure. So it's just, mm -hmm. I feel like I've got all these projects, these creative projects I want to move forward, but I just, yeah, I just can't kind of make myself. And I guess that's the thing. I feel like I'm making myself do it. When I was younger, it used to be like if you didn't draw or something creative every day, it felt like there was something you know missing from your day. But these days, I just I uh, there's something about me that just wants to do it. But every time I try to do it, it just feels like such a daunting thing, which is a drag. But yeah, is it? Do you think it's tied to work? Because I remember a big shift for me was. I was working in animation. I was working mostly production management. So still working in the field and, and the career that I wanted to do in terms of the industry. But um, I work, I moved into production management because it paid better and had longer contracts and was better for me financially uh, and still was super fun. Um, but I ended up like drawing in my spare time a lot, like, you know, mm. coffee shops at lunchtime or after work, I would hang out and, and draw before I went home and I'd be working on projects that might see the light of day someday, but they, I mean, there was no, there was nothing special. It was just, you know, things that I had going on in my mind. But then I got doing Starcrossed years later where it was part of the job. Like it was, I was drawing, you know, for my work, for contracts. And then I was also drawing 
this thing on the side for my own projects. And there was definitely times when I had to like drag myself kicking and streaming to, to the, the drawing board. And sometimes I wonder if it's a, it's a, if it is, if it's about, um, motivation or is it about discipline? And I'm stealing this from, from Laura, uh, who was talking about this with her training. It's something that her, her coach passed on to her. And I was like, yeah, you know, like that's, it's really good. Cause it applies to the creative fields too. Like sometimes you just have to make sure that you're in that chair doing the thing. The hard part yeah. is deciding like when that's going to be beneficial. Like when are you just working through a slump? And then other times when it's like, well, mentally or from other things that are, um, we'll say drawing on my time or my energy or my creativity, maybe I'm just tired and maybe it's not worth pushing, you know, um, a rock through a small hole. Like maybe it's better right. to just, <laughs> you know, maybe it's better to just take a break, you know, and, and, and something that I will say, um, that I've, I've often mentioned at panels when I do like talks about art and stuff like that. And, and that's what's not happening right now is a lot of life the average kind of like going to work, being out and around people, different activities, um, just the comings and goings of life are pretty restricted around the planet right now. And so yeah. there's not a lot of inspiration. I remember I used to get gag ideas from like people saying dumb shit on the bus. And I'm just like, you were a moron, but <laughs> thank you for that idea. Like yeah. that is, I'm writing that <laughs> down right now, like stuff like that. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff is just not happening right now. And like, I know that I, I've spoken about it with Laura as well. It's just like, there's just this kind of like overall giant meh with this second lockdown. Yeah. And everybody's done. Like everybody's just fed up with it. And, uh, you know, no one's upset with, like, I'm not upset with you. You're not upset with me. But if we were to hang out, like it would be probably kind of ho-hum compared to our normal kind of, you know, way that we would engage with each other because we're just so tired of this shit. <laughs> Like it's yeah, just, no, that's a good point. You know, like it just, and it's, it's important to acknowledge that it's going to affect creativity too. Right. And it's funny that you mentioned the bus because I had forgotten, but I used to, I use this writing app called Scrivener and oh, yes, I've got mm -hmm. it on my phone, my iPad and my computer. And so, um, I forgot that actually I, I would write episodes of big salty pond on that, on the bus or on the ferry, mm -hmm. you know, get probably half of it done on one day on the way to work half of the episode done on the way home. Then I could spend another evening just fine tuning it so that the gag, you know, stuck and hit when it was supposed to hit, then draw it through it through the course of the week. So I was actually able to do an episode, almost an episode a week or an episode every two weeks, but man, just everything blending together. It's almost like it, maybe it's just the finding the pockets of time is harder because everything's blurring together. So it doesn't feel like there's a pocket of time. Mm-hmm set aside anywhere where there were there were definitive you know moments on the buses and on the ferries where i couldn't do anything but sit there let's work on this project mm -hmm. but i don't know so i've got yeah, another question be... for you no no, no. i just because yeah. i'm curious about whether you feel this way as well just because as an artist and a designer uh something that i've noticed is that i've not drawn in my spare time for me in probably a couple of years yeah i'm still doing creative things but I'm doing them in Minecraft and I'm wondering, or I very often wonder 
if that process of coming with an up with an idea, uh, like say this carpenter workshop that I did, I have to plan it. I get to create it out of nothing. There's zip there. I have to put in all the blocks myself. I got to choose the colors, choose the textures. I have to work on it in 3D. And not only is it something that I think would probably come together faster than it would uh, than it would if I was to sit down and try to paint it, you know, in Photoshop or draw it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun as well. And whether that's got something to do with the restrictions so that you can't get too nitpicky because like you can only get so fine grained with Minecraft because the blocks are ginormous. Um, but like I've not felt the need to have like that creative outlet outside of a lot of what I do because so much of what I do with streaming actually is creative content. Like I might as well be sitting there streaming drawing. I feel like I probably get the same creative scratch every time I do that. Yeah, maybe. Because you've been streaming the last year or so, right? Like that's roughly. Yeah, the... I just had my my one year rollover happened a week and a bit ago. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, I know it was, it was uh, kind of surprising that a uh, a year has gone by already. I was enjoying it thoroughly, but yeah, it could be that maybe I'm just spending a lot of my I guess creative thinking and whatnot on on the Minecraft streaming side of things as opposed to drawing. I think it also comes down to like feeling like I have to do it. Yes. It's it, it almost it like the the feeling like you have to do it also takes away from the the actual enjoyment of spontaneously going. I just feel like I got to scratch something down on a piece of paper. It's more like no. Cuz I've done a few, uh, I've done a handful of drawing streams as well and it's just I enjoy them, but it's like okay, I feel like drawing right now, but I can't. I have to go and be creative at 7:30 p.m. until 10 p.m. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like Oh, I'm inspired to do something right now. I just, I don't have the opportunity to do that. So it's like, I think, I think taking these creativity and fitting into these time slots is not always easy either. No. Yeah. Once you start adding a schedule to things or uh, I know with Starcross, like one of the things I used to do with the comic strip was uh, I would write something and then realize this is a really simple, but good gag. And it's really easy to draw and it's not really tied into a storyline. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to mm-hmm. s- save that for that Sunday where I really don't want to draw the comic strip. And then I'm just like, oh, sweet. I've got this easy one. I can just rip this out in like four to six hours and not take like the, the eight to 12 that it used to take me from start to finish to work on a strip. Because I would just get so f- like into it. Like I would enjoy it. I was I would never when I was working on a strip that I would eventually be really proud of in terms of the visuals, like I never disliked working on it. I I always felt very happy when it was all done. So the time involved was never a problem, but I know that there was times when it's like, Oh, I just, I'm not feeling creative. So if you have one where it's like, Oh, it's a bunch of talking heads, this is going to be okay. (laughs) I can get through this. Um, But yeah, it's different. I think maybe animation helped me with that in terms of working through, creative blocks because like you're working for a company and yes you draw for a living but there's deadlines you have to animate this stuff and Mm -hmm. i i think part of it with animation the way that it was easier to get through is that even though it is creative and you did have to draw and act and make these characters do things um there's a process to it like you have to start with the key drawings you have to start with laying out the scene then you move on to like your extreme actions and stuff like that and because like if you could just get the process started then all of a sudden you have a checklist. So even if you're not feeling overly creative, you'd still have at least a task list that you could just kind of bang out. And it's like, all right, if I just follow this process, 
I'll at least get through what I need to do. And I would often mm-hmm. find that once I started down that process line, I'd start to enjoy it or I'd start to find things. Or for me, I get really stale with projects if there's not a lot of problem solving. Yes. Like if everything's really easy, I tend to lose interest, which is a weird thing to say, but I, I totally like creative challenges. And now this is very different from clients making bad decisions <laughs> and asking for stuff that's <laughs> ugly. But, but But when it comes down to like, you know, I think I can make this work. The client wants this. Let me see if I can figure this out. And that's where I'm just like, I'm in there. Like I really, I really kind of want to figure this out, you know, especially if it's somebody that's coming back, like a repeat client. I just, I really want to live up to their previous experience. You know, I find that nice. that's really fulfilling too. Problem solving is one of the, one of the things I prefer about being a graphic designer. Cause you know, not, not everything can be 100% creative all the time, but sometimes it's just the simple challenge of trying to get more than should more information than it should fit on a page to actually fit on a page in a way that is legible clear like it's just it's almost like pieces of a puzzle and trying to get them to fit into an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper <laughs> sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. that is more satisfying than trying to come up with a uh the creative yeah i yeah, i was designing you. a website recently and and the i was like the, the wait the website is how wide my gosh, how am I supposed to fit all this information in this little column? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. I, yeah, because I, I haven't done one in a while. So it was Thanks. interesting. But again, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, well, moving on yeah. into what we have been watching. Uh, I have been, uh, it's been a while since I wrote these down in the notes. I had meant to cover this back when Lou was going to be on the show, uh, but we had to postpone a bunch of different stuff in May life happens and here we are and uh i'll give a spoiler warning here uh, we're going to talk about jupiter's legacy both steven and i have watched it uh i don't remember much of it i remember really enjoying it but i don't remember a whole lot of details but steven has got quite a lot uh, of thoughts and feelings here so i'm going to let you take the lead uh and i'll chime in because i'm sure i'll remember it as as things go along but uh i wouldn't want to spoil it because i I did really enjoy it so if you've seen it or if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled then maybe tune in a little bit later but uh, if you have then by all means like uh, right into the show let us know what you think as well um so like when did you first catch wind of, of jupiter's legacy um i think you and i spoke about it last time because i was um invincible had just wrapped up and there was another show that you and i and and falcon and winter soldier had wrapped up so i was on a bit of a superhero kick lately and and so when i saw that jupiter's legacy when came on i was like all right well maybe and i think i think i'm trying to remember whether you saw it first or i saw it first and then we chatted about it briefly and then I went, okay, I got to watch the rest of them now. I think, I think you, you may have actually watched the first. Yeah, that's right. We chatted about it and I said, I'm going to watch it. But then you ended up watching it before me. And then I said, okay, cool. I'm going to go do it. I think I um, messaged you like after the first two or three, it was like a Sunday night. Yeah. I, th- I feel like I remember just saying like, dude, I just watched like three in a row. Like it's obviously it's yeah. got its hooks in me no matter what. So I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it was good. Like overall, love the show. Did not care for the old makeup. <laughs> no, I'll just say that right off the bat. Like no. so, only because the uh, the main character, um, Sheldon Sampson, aka the Utopian, played by Josh um, Demal. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I, I think. think so. 
um i thought he played the character really well but the um the show does this it, it's present day and flashbacks to the origin story of you know sheldon samson and the other superheroes getting their superpowers and so um so they have to you know obviously have the characters look the two different ages and i thought they made the other characters age more gracefully um there's one other character where they basically just grade his he, he had a, a bit of a baby face and they just grade his hair and it was just i don't know why they did that and but then for the utopian they went from short you know i think it was 30 styles haircut it was the 40s or something like that and i actually think it was the 20s oh geez okay there you go so like super slick hair shortcut clean shaven all this and that in um pants and suspenders just these really nice suits and stuff to present day where he's on living on this house where he wears kind of a plaid shirt a lot of the time and jeans but he's got this long gray beard and long gray hair and it just looked like well it looked like it was just glued on in a, from mm, in a makeup chair so yeah I just, you know it's and, and I'm, you know, not being a makeup person, I'm not trying to crap on whoever did it. It just felt like, you know, if it didn't, I don't know that you could have made it look good on him. So yeah. Just, yeah. There were some odd he, choices. He had, a, he had a young, yeah, he had a younger face. Like it just didn't feel like that level of gray and that kind of beard would have suited him. I would have, I would have rather seen him them with like gray stubble or something like that, or just, or heck just, you know slightly disheveled hair that's gray as opposed to trying to it's it's mm -hmm. like they didn't just want to age him they wanted to age him and make him look distinctly different from which he went from when he was younger and i don't know that it just seemed like an odd choice i mean but before getting into the negative side of it too too much i just because it's funny i don't know why you and i tend to do that with like troll hunters how to train your dragon yeah. and stuff like that the, we kind the of, shows we that love we really like them, yeah but then we get onto the negative side of them so um yeah, I, I probably didn't finish the show, the episodes as quickly as you did. But as soon as I started watching them, I was all like just through all eight of them, probably within the week after you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and I think when we um, you had made had an original. You were talking about the shock value of, you know, the boys were invincible mm -hmm. and how you didn't like that and which I can completely appreciate. But it's funny now, after watching, having watched this, it's funny the comparison to those two shows actually seemed appropriate because it had some of the, some similar traits to it. I mean, like similar to Invincible, it had a new generation of superheroes trying to live up to the expectation expectation of their super parent. Mm -hmm. um, the same as yeah, Invincible and oh, no, I'm going to get his his name mixed up, Omni Man. Um. And then in The Boys, you have, again, younger up-and-coming superheroes wanting to get into the seven, you know, the group of superheroes that were the main the main supers in that storyline. And then in this, you've got the young and up-and-coming superheroes wanting to join the Union of Justice. And so it, it had some similar parallels, but it kind of stopped there, I guess, in similarity. Um. I really enjoyed the cast. I thought, again, the Utopian played by Josh Damal was. Uh, uh, I thought I thought he did a good job. I like. I preferred his character as the younger on the younger side in the origin storyline because it felt more he's, more genuine. He's pretty one note as an older man. 
he, he yeah, tends but to, I, he beats the code into a pulp. That's the thing, man. He just, he felt too preachy. Yeah. There's a little bit too much of that, but I mean, like it, it's the archetype that he's supposed to be. And it's the kind, it's almost in a way where, I mean, you can see very clearly the parallels that they're drawing between Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Martian, uh, Martian Manhunter, uh, Flash. And I can't remember the third guy, the fifth, the sixth guy, but they're, they're creative enough that you don't necessarily clue in right away. Right. Uh, in the exact opposite of, of Invincible, where it's it's really, to me, Jupiter's Legacy was the same sort of storyline that you talked about with Invincible, with the younger generation trying to live up to the older generation's, you know, um, heroes. But it was done in a more creative and tactful way where it just didn't feel like parody. Mm. at least not all the time i feel like with jupiter's legacy the last episode or maybe the last two episodes where i'm just like okay now you're just being the justice league like now it's just like now you're not even really yeah for me it was like and it wasn't even that bad it was that the first six episodes were so imaginative in the way that they were telling the story that they went when they went straight at it in six in seven and eight i was like well this is kind of boring like just could you why didn't you why didn't you keep up the creativity but because for the most part talking about like the uh the the old makeup and the two different storylines that's something i really enjoyed and i kind of i ended up forgiving the old makeup look because of how interesting it was to have these are the current situations that these superheroes are in and we're finding them and watching their character development 70 or a hundred years ago, almost a hundred years ago, 90 years ago uh, in, yeah. I'm just reading it on the Wikipedia. Now um, the suicide that happened that shaped um, Sheldon, that was 1929. So you were, you were correct into the thirties. So most of what was happening in the character development was probably the early thirties, like late twenties, early thirties. And that kind of, time period has not been covered very much in film as far as superheroes go and it provided a really interesting look into these characters into oh maybe this is why he's such a boy scout because that's what was cool back then right like i mean those values carried forward makes sense now i get it and that kind of stuff i i just thought it was an interesting way uh of dealing with it and something that they don't get into at all is secret identities because they don't tend to exist right so there's none of those tropes uh and the the superpower stuff they also don't really give you like an origin story per se in terms of like when we think about things like superman or batman or the flash they all have a very intricate backstory that most people that follow superheroes know kind of like the the gist of everything you know mm-hmm. um superman alien crashed in a farmer's field raised by middle america can you know like smallville good values and becomes like the world's greatest superhero like just that kind of a, a motif and this they kind of give you the origin of their stories which is magic in like a single poof because they all get them at the same time at the same place and they weren't even really friends before they got there right and i thought that was interesting me too. It was all based on a vision. And they didn't they didn't even have everyone they needed. They just, you know, some people, you know, without giving too much away, there were back in the, the um, late 20s and early 30s, company that um, Sheldon Sampson worked for fell apart. Like, I think it was 
Great Depression. I, I, my history is not great. So, okay, it was the Great Depression. Yep. Yeah. So it's, um, so basically, the company that his father lost, the employees lost all their money, and they were not pleased. So he basically had to convince one of his former employees to join him on this this adventure of yeah th this adventure but d he didn't even like him didn't even want to um given the given the time of day really in that conversation and then there was another character he knew was supposed to be there because he was it, he was in the visions but didn't even know like, where they were going to bump into him he just knew they were going to bump into him along the way which i thought was interesting too i, I really found the, the characters uh, from back in the day um a lot more interesting because they had they were they were grow growing more i found and maybe that's it maybe because you know having been superheroes for the 90 years they're just into the it's almost like the ho-hum of every kind of the daily grind of stopping criminals and things like that maybe nothing's new for them anymore where i did get know, that impression like when when um uh the utopian and i don't remember his wife's superhero name um lady liberty lady liberty when when they would have like the the back home how is your day honey talk like they would talk about things like uh i don't know like some arms dealer trying to move nuclear something across a border in kazakhstan i mean i'm i'm throwing random countries out in, <laughs> in names out into the yeah. world just because i don't remember exactly what they said but they're talking about it like in the same way that you know the average person would talk about you know uh, a client coming into a firm and having to deal with them and then it's the same stuff all the time like why do these people never learn and it just they the way that they talk about it, it's like these like the the people out there because you can't even say like these humans never learn because all of them were are humans they've just been bestowed these powers um but but like that's the thing is that they they talk about it like like this is the I've lost count how many times I've tried to stop these terrorists from moving illegal weapons across borders. Like yeah. they just don't seem to give up, you know, like I just, and, and well, and then that part of it is, is one of the things that is the biggest through point of the, of the series is that in a big fight in early on in the series, I think it might've even been the first episode, the utopian son kills a bad guy to mm -hmm. save everybody. And it's something you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to kill people. And, yeah. but he and does it because he again, saves his parents, his parents. Right. Yeah. And that was part of the preachy code is like, we just, we don't do that. We basically don't kill. We capture, we imprison, we, you know, we are the good guys, mm -hmm. which I can sort of appreciate. And I think my, I guess my big beef with that is it's like, he kept saying the same words over and over again. You know, this, this is what we do. He does. This is how we are. We have to live by the code. And, and after a while it's like, oh my goodness. Be because there's no, there's no further explanation. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even think we got a full, full explanation other than like he went to <laughs> he went to see that shrink one time, mm. which I thought was a pretty funny in the end. It was a psychiatrist or super intelligent guy who he actually caught and imprisoned. So he would go visit this shrink in prison every once in a while, which I thought was a. I, it surprised me that it would, it would have been in a jail, which is pretty funny to me. Yeah, I, that to me was it. It smacked of like the whole Lex Luthor Superman relationship, like just yeah, with with a twist, like with a fun twist, like it wasn't obvious at first, like and that's the thing that I liked so much about most of those shows, where like when you realize what they were doing and what they were paralleling, you're like, oh, okay, clever. It wasn't like immediate, like oh, this is the Lex Luthor character. Like for the first few scenes, you really thought that he was seeing a shrink. Yeah, exactly.
Yeah. It was, well, it was well done in that sense. Yeah. The thing that I found uh, repetitive about the Utopian was, like you said, like he just keeps on saying it's even the same lines. Like they don't even really give him a, a more creative way to say it. And mm-hmm. he reacts to certain situations with those. We must have pulled the code in a very unrealistic way. Uh, I felt when that initial bit of violence happens and the bad guy dies at the hand of his son, he just jumps immediately into what have you done? What about the code? Yeah. There's no thank you. There's no, Oh, holy crap, son. Like there's no moment of, of, um, shock. Like he's not even surprised. He just goes straight into like dad wag finger mode. And that to me, it's like, it would have been better in that situation or, and many times I think because of how repetitive it gets just silence, like him just looking over his shoulder and just kind of contemplating like, what the crap do we do now? This line has been crossed. I feel like there could have been more of that. His, uh, his wife, uh, lady Liberty, uh, she dealt, I felt like her processing of that stuff was better. Yeah. Because, I mean, and, and to clarify, it wasn't just they were fighting a bad guy and his son mm. killed him. Like, this, this villain had a suit, a suit on that was literally about to go nuclear and kill all of them. Oh, yeah. There was like six or eight people. people in the nearby town. So they, they talked about basically his son did what he felt he needed to do in order to just a save everyone there and save innocent people nearby so it wasn't just uh all right i'm gonna break the code and kill this villain as opposed to imprison imprisoning them um i would have done the same thing realistically i mean yeah <laughs> i don't i don't want to die or have the people dear to me right in front of me die so yeah yeah it's one of those things where it's a hard thing to say whether you could or would or, or would wouldn't but like i would like to think that i would have the stones to do it if that was the situation where it's like, okay, this thing is like, I'm saving, I'm saving the people that are constantly saving lives every day. Right. As well as a town over there. (laughs) Like I kind of hope that one evil, I mean, he's not even, I mean, it looked like a person, but it was pretty alien looking. I'm not sure what the character's origin Mm -hmm. was supposed to be. Um, but he was a big, almost looked like a Thanos looking dude really for the sake of, you know, uh, another comparison. So, and these are the things that you don't realize right away. Right. And then they give him like a funny New York accent and a weird twist in his personality. You know, when you you meet him later on or, or have flashbacks and talk about him later on. And you're like, OK, that's really different. And like because Thanos's personality kind of fits his his physical form. Right. Um, but then when you see this guy, his personality does not fit his physical no. form whatsoever. It's really some some interesting ju- just a position there. But um, I had the hardest time with their daughter and I'm struggling to remember her name. Is it Chloe Sampson? Chloe. Yeah. Chloe Sampson in the show. It's funny. Actually, I kind of liked her character, but wanted more. I think it might be just the fact that I find, and again, there's even a trigger warning that Netflix gives you about her storyline. There's a lot of substance abuse and a lot of Mm -hmm. her not being very nice to herself. And I find that, and it doesn't matter that it's a woman, it just man or woman. I find that kind of stuff really hard to watch in film. You know, like if it's someone that has like a cocaine addiction or it's a character that, that is dealing with um, like any kind of mental illness that like where they're, just causing themselves any kind of emotional or physical harm on film, especially when the acting is very well done. 
and and yeah, cinematography like in every yeah and it was very I mean, oh my gosh um elena i think Comporis, i think is the actor's name uh she's so, yeah. a chameleon like crazy <laughs> crazy good uh you don't think at all about the about acting and the fact that you're watching a tv show your heart just goes out to this torn broken daughter that is just trying to like not be her parents but then also please them at the same time like it's yeah it's heartbreaking and that to me was just really hard to watch and yeah that's the kind of thing and where like i tend to tune into superhero shows to not watch that so it, it, was a, it was a hard part i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it was it was the hard pill to swallow in the gritty side of the story right and i think i mean sometimes these shorter shows are great because you're like all right got a cool looking show eight episodes i can do this it's basically like a really long movie let's just get through it and enjoy it but I, I feel like I would have enjoyed probably two more episodes to get some backstory, like some more backstory. I feel like she was just, she, again, as you said, Alina Kemporis played broken Chloe unbelievably well, but they didn't really get into a whole lot of why. I mean, they touched on it, trying to live up parents' expectations-ish, but not really wanting to have anything to do with being a superhero as well. But it still felt like there was so much more from that story that you could have like mm. i'm i'm looking forward to season two because I, I hope they spend more time on i wonder if they'll have the same approach with season two because as you're saying that i would think that it would be really cool to see some flashbacks with like high school aged chloe right mm. flashback to that figure out where the trauma came from where you know where yeah. the 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 daddy issues come from fast forward to whatever she's doing now uh in the current plot as as things go forward um mm -hmm. i i wasn't i wasn't terribly surprised with the way that they kind of left the cliffhanger with um his brother i can't remember again uh ben daniels is the actor brainwave is the name of the is the name of the character what's the oh yeah walter Sampson is his name in, in the show but brainwave is the name of the because the thing they don't really use many of the superhero names outside of the utopian I think they only mentioned Brainwave's name once at the very beginning. Like, oh, Brainwave's going to be there. There's kind of this eye roll. Great. I forget. I've seen that act that actor in a couple of other things, and I think he does a fantastic job. I saw an interview, a small interview of, with him about this show, and he said he went he um, he intentionally played the two characters, like the two different timelines, as as two different characters. That's what he wanted to do, so mm -hmm. that there would have been a clear shift between walter of the origin story and walter later on as brainwave and i think he did a fantastic job mm -hmm. um two of them um i wish i i guess i'm just trying to think there was also i guess spoiler alert um his daughter on the show um reiku i believe her name was uh i found her character to be pretty darn interesting but not very much screen time compared to how interesting I thought she was. So I was, uh, it would have been nice to get more, more of her on screen. I guess I don't want to give too much of a, a spoiler. That I just, you know, the fact that he, the fact that she's his daughter. Yeah. Um, they don't really get into that right, right away. But no, again, like it's one of those things where like these could, these kind of situations could be explored. Like if they continue to do these, these flashbacks, I'd be really curious to see flashbacks back down to, the 1940s or the 1950s 
which would be a really cool time period um, mm -hmm. where they have the powers. So then it's not, it's not current superhero versus person before they had the powers. It'll be current superhero storyline with the first 10 years of having powers, you know, or the first year, you know, or whatever that happens to be, you know, the, the, the decision to make the hall of justice or whatever that they called it, um, like that kind of stuff would be interesting. There's also the, the, the giant mystery of why their best friend betrayed all of them and, and tried to kill them. <laughs> you know, like it just, right. they just kind yeah. of tell you that, but they don't show you any of it. They don't give you why he was so mad that he decided to fold on everybody. They give, they kind of hint at the fact that he just outgrew the code and he decided to, to walk outside of it. And therefore, you know, the utopians like, all right, well you're out. And then he just became a supervillain. Uh, but it, that seems like a really quick drop to just kind of throw in a sentence. You're like, okay, well, yeah, that just doesn't seem to happen overnight because in this, like it would in the comics in in the traditional comic sense of that kind of stuff, those kind of flips and flops happen the same way that they happen in WWE wrestling, right? Like the script says so, <laughs> right? But, but in this, you don't, as far as the way that they tell stories, you don't get those kind of flip flops within the episode, within the series season, right? Like the, the flip flop with, with brainwave, the change in, in, in his behavior is decades, right? Like it's this huge buildup, this slow burn, um, mm -hmm. which is, which is cool. And what I, I want to know more about that. Right. Um, so again, the creativity of the show, the excellent cinematography and visuals and, and sort of presentation that way, old makeup aside, has me forgiving some of the very clear parallels between the justice league and the main DC superhero canon. Um, especially because of the way that they handle the kids. Like, I feel like that kind of stuff is, is interesting. You know, who was yeah. a, a sleeper hit for me that I didn't think was going to be as interesting as he was. Uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to find the, the, the character's name right now on IMDb, but he was the dude that had the little stick. The rod, yeah. The rod. Hutch, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's him. Uh, so basically he's got this, I don't know, magical or technical thing. And he's supposed to be the son of this um, superhero that, that basically bailed on all of them, who's essentially Batman, right? Like you don't really get to see him until mm. the end, but like he's essentially Batman. And so Hutch has got this device that his father left him or that he claimed at some point. Yeah, that's what I find interesting because I believe that used to belong to Blue Bolt, who was the guy they, you, in the origin story, there was that guy they didn't meet yet and they sort of met him on the way there. I think when they were showing flashbacks, that device belonged to him, not oh. Hutch's father. So I'm I'm really curious to know how, I might be messing it up, but I think it may have gone from one superhero to another superhero's son. So I don't know how that's... Yeah, I, again questions but i mean i would imagine there's mm -hmm. gonna be a season two uh i would be very surprised if they if it got canceled um but what's neat about it is that like he he basically uses it a bunch of times in the show to travel he just kind of says home or kentucky or whatever and it just kind of zaps him wherever he wants to go instantaneously or he can tell it to go someplace and come back and that was a cool flip. That was a cool moment where you're like, oh, shit, this guy has got some serious power here. Like, unless you can can stop him from talking, like, you're, you're in a world of problems. 
And yeah. I don't remember the name of the the it's in and it's inconsequential, but there's a mob boss giving him trouble, and the goons come to collect, and he kind of opens up his hand and he goes, you know, the funny thing about this is most people think I have to hang on to it, and then he goes, goon boss's heart, and the thing disappears, and he goes, my hand, and it comes back, and it's just covered in blood, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh snap. Like that is some serious, serious stuff. Uh, and he, like yeah. he had that hidden the whole series. Yeah. And I think right afterwards he said shark infested waters and tossed it to one of the guys. Right. Yeah. And the guy mm -hmm. just vanished and he just said hand or home and it came back to him. Came and back so to him. Like basically, yeah. To the other goon, he just basically, I forget the exact words, but basically said, I think we have an understanding now. So yeah, maybe you can just leave me alone now, which I thought was, <laughs> It was a cool, unexpected moment for sure. Yeah, no, I I, I, yeah. I like that. And uh, and obviously he's got some plans too. I mean, he's trying to, mm -hmm. no one knows where his father is. He apparently does or has a plan to try and locate him uh, and is hoping to bring him back, which I would imagine cause all kinds of drama uh, in the, um, whatever they call their giant team up. <laughs> Again, like it's, yeah, it's one the, of those uh... things where it just starts to get so similar that, I know the Hall of Justice and the Justice League is the wrong Union team name. Yeah. Union of Justice. I mean, come on. You know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, again, by the time you get to the end of the show, it's a little bit on the nose, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, again, like the only thing that I, I think was a little bit strange was was the utopian one note stuff at the end. But that yeah. to me, I think is also, I'll call it a fair criticism of Superman. Like it's one of the things that people complain about in the Superman comics I know from storylines is that there's only so many things you can do to challenge Superman, right? And and I feel like the fact that he's such a Boy Scout tends to be usually one of his weaknesses that, that the enemies of Superman tend to exploit. And I don't think they needed to go quite so heavy-handed with the Utopian. I would have liked mm -hmm. to have seen him be, rather than being some sort of cookie-cutter, like pristine version of Superman that we're all supposed to go, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. You're making fun of the Boy Scout. I would have rather him be almost Superman. Like have him have yeah. some flaws or some something that held him back or something would have been a little more interesting. But I, I recommend yeah. the show. I don't know about you, but I, I think Me people too. that are into heroes should should check it out. Yeah, I think they did a good job too. I mean, I, I try to do my homework for this evening and uh, got the, the comics out from the, the library again just to see. And I, I think the, the show is superior to the comics in this sense. I didn't even realize there, it was no... based on a comics. I thought it was like an original series for Netflix. Yeah, no, it's uh I didn't realize it right right away either until I was reading a couple things on it and uh yeah, it's the, the uh as we talked the flipping back and forth between the two times is one of the things I really enjoyed and they they don't really do that. They just they're already superheroes and they're just sort of but it was almost like soon after they became superheroes back in the day. And it's just going along from there. They mm -hmm. even haven't even done the origin story yet. The, their kids aren't even there yet. So they're like, there's, there's not the, the two things that I sort of enjoyed most about the show aren't even there. It's just, I guess it's, it's giving you all the backstory that we haven't seen yet in the show. Um, but I, I think the show does a better job of revealing and, um, yeah, telling the story anyway. Man, if 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 anybody at all does not think the show does enough to kind of separate itself from the Justice League, the cover art for these comics certainly do not bother to even try. <laughs> like it looks like the Flash Batman 
and a couple other heroes on the front cover. Oh, yeah. Like it's, yeah. Wow. F- like a little on the nose, folks. F- Fox, Tech Fox, Flying Fox. What's the, what's the Batman character's superhero name? Um, um, I think he was... Star Fox, Sky f- Fox? Sky Fox. Sky Fox, yeah. Sky Fox, yeah. And then the Flash <laughs> is basically, I think they call him Phase or whatever because he's just super fast. <laughs> you know what a flying fox is, Stephen? It's a kind of bat! Yeah. Like, just come on! <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh on that note um anything else that has been gracing the small screen for you this week family and i watched a show a movie called love and monsters oh how is that that's been all over my netflix it's, page it's just such like on some parts of it are just cliche and corny but i mean the description is seven years after he survived the monster apocalypse apocalypse Lovable hapless Joel leaves his cozy underground bunker behind on a quest to reunite with his ex. And it sounds just <laughs> awful. Yeah. But the uh, the main character, played by Dylan O'Brien, um, if anyone's seen the the Maze Runner series, that's the only thing I really oh, yeah. remember mm-hmm. him from. But he's he's basically has to talk to himself a whole lot of the time because he's he's going from one protective bunker that he was in to the one where his his ex-girlfriend is. And so he's he befriends this dog and basically has to carry a lot of the show on his own um and he, he he does it well like it's there's so many parts of it that feel like they're just not original but because the movie doesn't take itself seriously at all it's just it's easy to forgive and because like he you know we, we didn't go into it with high spec expectations but uh we, we enjoyed it way more than we thought we would i mean like you know there, there are moments where he should have he falls in a hole and should have died but you know okay spoiler alerts i guess i will say um, or do you plan on watching it? Because I won't no, probably ruin not. it. No. Okay. Because, yeah, like he falls in a hole, should have died, gets rescued by people who had been surviving on the surface for a while, and they sort of teach them the ropes a little bit. Feels very cliche on some level for this type of movie, but it's comically done. Um, he sort of grows and grows into his own, kind of, you know, becomes his own little bit of a survivor, even though he's just a scared chicken for most of it as well. But it's, I don't know, it was... <laughs> Basically, we stuck it on hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, and we laughed. We enjoyed it. Easy to forgive the cliches, but, um, and, 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 you know, in the end, he meets up with his girlfriend, played by Jessica Henwick. Uh, I don't know if like, she's she's always awesome. She was in, um, oh, oh my goodness, what's Game of Thrones and in oh, yeah. Marvel's Iron Fist. Yeah. Marvel's Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. I didn't even recognize her at first because she's serious in the other shows, but in this one, she's, you know, light and funny and fun young girlfriend in the at the beginning and then she's more serious later on of course because you know post-apocalyptic monster invasion will kind of make you a little bit more serious but yeah she was one of the sand sisters in game of thrones right like she's Mm. yeah oh no wait you haven't you haven't seen have you seen game of thrones no part uh part of it yeah i don't know what she she would have been in she comes later on um yeah the defenders with the the miniseries with um you know luke cage and daredevil and yeah all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I watched them all. I watched Iron Fist as well. And it was probably the, well, not probably, it was the least, the least recommended show, I'd say, from me in the series of Daredevil, mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, and all of those. But she was, she was always good in it. And then in The Defender, she was good in that too. And then, yeah, she's just, she's awesome in anything I've seen her. And so it's cool to see her in something again. And um, so, but basically, he got, he gets there. I won't give the entire thing away, but he eventually gets to, her bunker um things don't necessarily go as expected 
some things do, but they don't. And they just end up, it's like, it was a surprising story of growth rather than finishing in the cliche way you would have expected it to. So oh, cool. a lot cool. of, a lot of things that would have been, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah, I saw that coming. Oh, that's a hilarious take on that throughout. It was sort of a refreshing, huh, at the end of it. And um, even my sons, um, they said, that was cool that it didn't end the way I thought. It was just one of those. Nice. I thought they did a good job. Yeah, super yeah. I like it when movies take like a little bit of a sidestep just because you think, because you're like, you get all high and mighty and you think, oh, I know where this is going to go. And then when they don't do exactly. it, you're like, oh, okay, well, points to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, even though sometimes yes. I'd be okay if that's where they went. It's like, well, it's fine. You know, like it's not the most imaginative thing, but like when if they earn it. Yes. Yeah. When the rom-com ends with the boy and the girl getting together, I'm okay with that. You know, like I, I get that it's a happy oh ending goodness. feels nice, you know, um, but I prefer it when it happens in a creative way. Uh, I know yeah. for a long time on this show, I constantly railed against um, the, 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 any kind of situational rom-com or, or or a movie where it was like boy meets girl, boy screws up, spends rest of movie getting girl back. I'm just like, oh, for, can we do yeah. something else, please? And so like <laughs> that kind of stuff is nice when that doesn't happen in that particular order. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, as well as access to some of the behind-the-scenes and extra chats that I have with guests over the course of recording these episodes. Patron count is at 23, which I believe is one up from the last time that I checked. Uh, if you want to be 24, mm -hmm. then go on over to patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe and join us. Uh, it's a lot of fun to hang out in the Discord. I share the Discord with uh, my Twitch account as well as uh, my own personal Patreon. So there's more than just a handful of people in there. 23 are just the number of people that are supporting the Citadel Cafe. There's closer to 100 or 123 people in there now. So there's always something cool to talk about, whether it's nice. food, uh, whether it's barbecue now, uh, whether it's Minecraft, video games, or Lego. And I've got some Lego news to share with you this week on the Internet Minute. LegoCon, the first ever LegoCon is happening online June 26, 2021, 12 p.m. Eastern. That's uh, daylight savings time. So uh, that's 1 p.m. ADT. So it's UTC minus four for 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the show should run about 90 minutes. It'll be live from the Lego house uh, in mm. Denmark. Uh, so it'll be cool to see inside of that, just even on the stream in general. Uh, we'll have world first set reveals and some very special guests. I think it'd be really fun to organize a watch party, maybe even within the Discord or perhaps even on my Twitch page. Ooh. So I'm going to be looking into that because it's only a few weeks away. And I think this it would be a really fun, chill thing to do. I've covered these kind of events before. Uh, we cover Minecraft live on the Spawn Chunks podcast with with uh, Pixel Roofs. And uh, doing that live, it's a bit of work, but it's a lot of fun. Because there's a bunch of people in the chat that are invested in whatever announcements are coming. And uh, because LegoCon has never done anything like that before, uh, I need to check in to see whether it's okay to like either watch or rebroadcast or rebroadcast with commentary. Normally that's okay because uh, we do it with Minecon, uh, or Minecraft Live. Um, but uh, I'll check on that and, and let people know what's up. But either way, mark it down on your calendar June 26th at 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, the other thing that I want to point out is there is a new Lego set out called Lego World Map. 
and it is one of the art sets. So we've they've done these with the Sith from Star Wars, and they did it with Iron Man. There are a bunch of uh, single peg um, circular pieces that you follow a specific pattern, and then the pixel art ends up making a mural or a piece of art that you can then hang on the wall. And all of it's made out of Lego. Hmm. And the set is $350. Yikes. Canadian. Uh, it is set 31203. And there are 11,695 pieces. Altogether, the world map will measure 26 inches by 41 inches. Completed dimensions on your wall. Yes. It's cool. I'm not going to mm. say it's not cool. But <laughs> boy, is that pricey for lego dots yeah and i mean like people are thinking like well how fancy is it well in the oceans they use different colors of the dots to kind of give you the topographical like ocean like heights and depths and stuff they don't do a lot of that on the continents the continents are all white i feel like they could have maybe gone a little bit farther to give a bit more detail uh, the fact that there's just so many white pieces repeated over and over again is like, well, mm. I don't necessarily know if that, that doesn't speak to me quite the same way. Something that has a little bit more of a color variation to it would, would be, but then again, they might've tried that and it might've looked terrible. That, like maybe that became very difficult to then see the continents from the, the oceans. But then again, like it's Lego, you, you can make as many colors as you want of these Lego pieces. Uh, if you need to make special colors for this thing, maybe you should do it. It's a neat concept, which is why I'm sharing it. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm going to go and spend $350 on it. Um, <laughs> now, on the flip side, I don't remember the price of the ones from Star Wars, but they're not nearly the same. Now, they're not as big, but they're like three in one. So you can totally like take the Darth Vader one. Okay, so, the, so it's $150 for like, say, I'm looking at the Iron Man one right now. And you can make... Iron Man, there's like a Mark One, a Mark Two, and then the Hulkbuster. Or if you combine all three of them, you can turn it into like a tall, sort of like vertical, almost like a phone proportion image of just Iron Man head to toe, which I thought was really cool. So you have options there. And that to me at, uh, how many pieces are in it? 3,100 pieces for 150 bucks. Like it's a little bit better, especially because like if you get bored of the art, you can change it. Right. Like if you build mm -hmm. one and you don't want to build like you can just or unless unless you can do all three of them um, at, at once. I don't know. Um, anyway, looks cool. Uh, I just don't know if the world map kind of fits the the price in price out for me. But uh, that, those are my picks this week. So stay tuned for more on the Lego con. If I do anything with it on Twitch, I'll definitely let you folks know here on the on the show. Uh, do you have a pick this week? Yeah, I've got one that I saw in my Twitter feed. And it's called an Oru Kayak. Orukayak.com. Um, basically, they're origami kayaks that fold down into a portable side that you can just sort of basically transport them in a tr trunk of a small car or they come with a strap on them. So you just carry them from your trunk to the beach and then you just fold set them up. Uh, that was super cool. Basically, um, you don't need to have roof racks or any kind of proper equipment to transport it from point A to point B. And uh, essentially, fold out and they're, they're self-contained. So it's not like you have a carrying case that they go into. It's just, they fold in on themselves and then fold up on the sides into this little, like a suitcase type thing. And they range in weight anywhere from 20 pounds to 41 pounds, depending on the model. The heavier one is a, a two person 
kayak. And then the price range also goes from $899 to uh, $1999 US, again, depending on the model. Like, is it one of those things that I couldn't afford if I right now if I wanted to, but if I had to put disposable income, it's just such a cool thing to be able to get. Basically, you, you could have four individual kayaks that you just slide into a trunk, get out on the water or get out to the, the water's edge and away you go. I think it's just a super cool thing. So granted, those are U.S. prices. Uh, looking up at some of the fancier kayaks just quickly at Canadian Tire, they're in the 600 to $800 range. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for a nice kayak. So it'll be more when you translate the, the uh, Oreo kayak into Canadian, you're looking at more like a starting price of around $1,100. But still, these ones right. that I'm looking at don't fold up. <laughs> you know, like they're, yeah. you need a roof rack. You need like, there's all kinds of stuff that you need for that. Uh, I feel like I've seen the Oreo kayaks back. I think it was a Kickstarter maybe. No, it could have been. Could've like been. as soon as I saw it, I was like, I've seen this before somewhere. Mm. uh they're really yeah, cool and 20 pounds is nothing i know it's just <laughs> it had me wishing i had wishing i had the money to just go yep just take it send me one and we're good but... <laughs> yeah yeah man like it just to to be able to fold that up in, a, in the trunk of a car or put it on the back of a bike you know like yeah very very cool yeah i guess the other thing i had to mention was just something one of my sons mentioned earlier today was a uh, nintendo direct the E3 presentation is coming up soon, a uh, live stream June 15th. So they're, we're a bit of a Nintendo family here. So they're uh, they're going to be announcing. It's going to be roughly 40 minutes, 40 minutes long. Um, 9 a.m. does not say the time zone. I apologize for that. But essentially, it's they're going to be talking about new games they're going to be releasing, mainly in 2021. And I'm hoping that they mention or reveal their plans for the switch pro that I've heard rumors about. So I don't, that's not an official thing, but I've heard it, seen it mentioned a bunch of different places. And I'm just hoping, cause I've been wanting to get one, but just feel like this one's been out long enough and other consoles update on a regular basis. It seems except for the Nintendo ones just sort of stay around for a long time. So if there is a new version of the switch coming, I'd probably be more inclined to throw my money at that. 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Saw that as you were saying. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show is composed by Kevin McLeod. And of course, you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And Spread the show around. Tell friends about it. It's one of the best ways to grow the show. Costs you nothing. Just recommend to a friend that they listen to the Citadel Cafe, and hopefully they like it too. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Listen to my other podcast about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. And today I will point you towards twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where I have been streaming the latest snapshots for uh, the Caves and Cliffs update in Minecraft. That's coming out next Tuesday, June 8th. Uh, and playing, of course, on the Citadel, doing some medieval building and stuff on the weekends. Uh, Stephen, where can people find you online? As you mentioned, most places online at Stephen ESC. But I, too, have been spending a fair deal of my spare time streaming uh, Minecraft on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Stephen ESC, where current project, as we discussed, is a giant stair monument. And next thing is to pour more lava down pillars. So the, the interior is lit by pillars of lava. So come check it out. As someone that has a brand new barbecue, I can tell you that playing with fire is fun.
You've been listening to the Sizzle Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. 